Few things are as controversial as evolution. This is Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin. I'm Kevin Harris, your co-host, and today we're going to tackle a topic, Why Teach Evolution? This is part of a two-part series, and today's program can be downloaded at evidenceandanswers.org. So be sure you go to evidenceandanswers.org. Pat, we have a special guest today. Yes, Kevin. Today we have my colleague, Dr. Jan Chatham. She's a fellow research associate with me at Probe Ministries. Now, Jan is a graduate of the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga with a bachelor's in biology, and she has two graduate degrees from the University of North Texas, a master's in genetics and a PhD in neurophysiology. And Jan has worked with youth for over 17 years, and prior to her joining us here at Probe, she was the director of the Upward Bound Math Science Program at the University of North Texas and part of the science faculty at Faith Christian School in Grapevine, Texas. And she speaks on a variety of science-related issues that are relevant in our culture today, such as creation, evolution, and stem cell research. So, Jan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Pat. And I also want to let our listeners know that uh, we have a wide variety of shows on Christianity and science, faith and science, at evidenceandanswers.org. You can download a bunch of shows from our resources. We've interviewed top scholars such as Dr. Hugh Ross, Bill Dembski, and others. And so, Jan, in the media, we hear about the controversy of why creation or intelligent design should be taught in the public schools. But today we're talking about the flip side of that, aren't we? Why should we be teaching evolution to our Christian children? Mm -hmm. So when we say teach evolution, let's first clarify who is doing the teaching and who needs to be taught. Thank you, Pat. First of all, let me just say it's such a privilege to be on your program. Uh, The topic that you've chosen is an excellent topic and something that's very near and dear to my heart and something I'm very, very passionate about. When we talk about teaching evolution, I am not talking about a certified teacher that stands up formally in front of a classroom. The Bible doesn't tell us that the education of our children is dependent on certified teachers. It says that the education of our children falls on the shoulders of the parents. And so today I am going to be talking to parents, but even more than parents, it could be grandparents that have to assume the role because maybe the parents are not Christians. It could be an aunt or an uncle. Even more than that, though, it could be a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher. Anyone who is working with our children should be teaching evolution to them. And hopefully by the end of the program, they'll feel as impassioned about it as as I am. But when I talk today throughout, I'll probably use the word parents more than anything. As far as who needs to be taught or who needs to be a student of evolution, I have two answers for that. Number one, everyone, that's my broad answer, everyone should be a student of evolution. And that's just because this is a very hot topic in our culture today. Even as far as the presidential nomination debate that was just held recently, one of the questions that was asked to them was, do you believe in evolution? So it is not just an academic subject anymore. It's even a political subject. And so it is so important for us to have a handle on it and to be not just have a general knowledge of it, but a working knowledge of the subject of evolution. Now, I told you I had two two answers to that question. My broad answer was everyone should be a student of evolution, but my passion happens to lie with the pre-college students. And these are the students that are still in the safety net of our home. They have not stepped out of our home to the wild territory of lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, but they are still with us. 
and we still have their educational best interest in mind. There are two verses at Probe that we often use kind of as our theme verses, and that is 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, very familiar passage where it says, be ready to give an answer. Uh, to anyone who asks about the hope you possess and not only give an answer, but verse 16 goes on to say, do it with courtesy and with respect. So there is a way that these children need to be taught so that they can give a courteous and respectful answer to their teachers that they may encounter. The second verse is Colossians 2.8, and that is, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men and according to the elementary principles of the world. And to me, these are two verses that God is just screaming in his megaphone that says, come on, guys, get your children prepared. And the sad fact is, Pat, that we can have a Christian college lined up for our children, and we're thinking that their worldview is going to align with the biblical worldview, and that is not always the case. So whether you're sending your child to a secular college or you have a Christian college picked out for them, it could be that there are humanistic professors within that Christian college. Yeah, Jan, you're right. You know, I went to a Christian university thinking that I was going to get a biblical worldview in all fields, mm. but I didn't. And especially in the sciences, mm. in the biology and physics, the idea of intelligent design or creation was regularly attacked. Mm. And the teachers were teaching primarily from a naturalistic worldview position mm. and inundating us with Darwin's theory of evolution. Well, okay, your passion is specifically for the pre-college age. Why do you think it's so important to teach evolution to our pre-college children then? Like I said, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, but we've got to prepare them for the minefield that awaits them. And I don't think they are totally aware of what's going to be out there. They've been sheltered. And I want to give you an example of a professor, and I will not tell this professor's name, and I will not tell what college he goes to, but you could go to his uh, webpage, and let's just pretend that this particular professor ends up being your child's freshman biology teacher. And he says to your child, I want you to go to my webpage tonight when you go home, and I want you to look on my webpage and just get familiar with it. And so your child goes and there he sees there is an icon called Evolution Outreach Projects. Now, I've heard of evangelism outreach projects, but evolution outreach projects, that was a new one for me. And so I clicked on it to see what was going on. And there's this leather little section called Gifts for Science Teachers. And so I clicked on that and he has a multitude of items that you can buy for a science teacher. But listen to some of the captions that he has with these quote unquote gifts that you could buy for a science teacher. One of them's called a cell phone stun gun. Now, I don't think there really is such a thing, but listen to what he says. He says, uppity students will be 23% less creation-y if they know there are consequences for spreading ignorance. Hey, Jimmy, the intelligent designer wants to talk to you. And so what he's saying is ignorance, creation, those are synonyms. And then there's another, another gift that you can buy called Defending Evolution. And this truly is a book, I know. But here's his caption. Tips on teaching evolution, dealing with wacko parents, and more. This book is endorsed by plenty of people who believe in God and by God. You know, this guy is so obnoxious. 
on his website, how much more, if our children are sitting in his classroom, is he going to be in their face? And Jan, if that were an isolated incident, we could just write it off as a novelty or just one guy. But uh, let me back you up. That is everywhere. And there are websites by the hundreds just like that. And there are teachers just like that who have blogs and websites yes. and podcasts all over the internet. And so that is not isolated. In fact, that's par for the course. Yes, I totally agree, Kevin. In fact, this guy knows that he's quite obnoxious because his contact information, it says questions, comments, and thinly veiled threats can be sent to. And then it gives his name and his phone number. And so let's just imagine that our child is sitting in that professor's classroom. Are they ready for that? That's what we have to do before they head off to that kind of territory. So we need to lay the groundwork, prepare them, teach them what they're going to face. They are vulnerable. Their worldview is not set in stone. It is mushy at best. And some of the statistics that back that up about their worldview is Barna, which is a research group. They did a survey and they found that 61% of children who were churched as teens end up disengaging from their faith once they hit the 20s. And that is usually coincides with their college career. And that, as alarming as it is, there was another research came out of the Cornelia House, and they reported not only the percentage, but they reported why our kids are walking away from the faith. And their statistics showed that 50 to 80 percent of our children abandoned their faith. And these were Christian children who were raised in a church, went to Sunday school. They abandoned their faith within the first years of college. And this is why, as soon as they encounter the first opposition to the faith from atheistic, humanistic professors. And now that is the type of statistic, Pat, that makes me lie in bed and literally weep because I have such a burden for that pre-college age. I have a son who has been raised in a Christian home, who goes to a Christian school. But when I think about him going out there to that wild territory and I start putting his classmates' faces to that 80% that may walk away from the faith, that's when God just grips my heart and says, something has got to be done about this. We have basically it's eternal repercussions because if they are walking away from the faith and then they have children, then who is raising those children in the faith? I struggled with this and and I just brought it before God. I said, God, how can 18 years of raising in a Christian home be totally obliterated within one or two semesters of college. And he answered me, God answered me and said, well, Jan, it's because of canned lies and other mixed veggie truths. And I said, well, of course it is, God. Now, what is that? And he said, well, think about it. You have all of your degrees come from secular institutions and every professor has the seems like the same recipe that they're going to feed our children. And what this recipe consists of is, think of it like vegetable soup. They've got some green beans, and that's, you know, maybe truth. And then, but not only is there truth, there's also some corn that's partial truth and some opinions. And then they throw in the rotten tomatoes of lies. And they take that mixture, and they mix it all up, and they put it in their pot. And then they ask your child to open their mouths and swallow it whole or not at all. 
and they spoon feed it to our kids. And our kids then sit there in these classrooms day after day after day being asked to swallow this vegetable soup mix and either swallow it whole or not at all. And a lot of parents, I've heard them say, but yeah, I have, I've warned my child that that's going to happen. And that may be true, but I think what happens is we forget to tell them how cleverly disguised the truth is going to be mixed with the non-truth and the opinion, because that's been Satan's tactics from the very beginning. When he approached Eve, he approached her with some truth, but then he threw in his own lies and opinions. But because he had some truth in there and because some of the vegetable soup that our kids are asked to put in their mouth has some truth, it makes it palatable to them. And then they're not able to discern okay, wait a second, that is truth. I can swallow that, but that that is a, an opinion of that person, or that's a lie, or that's a half-truth. And we have to teach them well enough that they can discern and be good discerners of truth versus non-truth. And possibly where we fail as parents or Christian educators is by telling them, okay, if it lines up with Scripture, great, that's the part you swallow. But if it doesn't, spit it out. You don't have to swallow the whole spoonful. The flip side to that, though, is the children that throw out all of it because it came from an atheistic professor and says all the science that comes out of his mouth is bad because, you know, he's he's a humanist professor. And that's just as sad of a posture, actually, because God is the creator of science. And so... Science should point us toward God, not away from God. Example that I give my students often is this little diagram, if they can keep it in their head, is think of God and then think of two arrows slanting down. And and one arrow is coming down and it says, God authored the word. And the other arrow says, God created the world. Well, the same God that authored the word and created the world Those cannot oppose. God cannot contradict himself. And so our study of science and our interpretation of scripture, those cannot contradict. And if they do, one of them needs to be revamped. There have been times that we have had to revamp our interpretation of the scripture. For instance, the four corners of the earth once was thought early church that that was meant a flat earth. We know now that that's not the case. So that is an example of where we have had to revamp our interpretation of Scripture. But nowadays, it's more we have to revamp our interpretation of science. You know, to give you an example, the prevailing theory that birds evolved from dinosaurs. Well, that flies in the face of Scripture. Birds were created on day five. Dinosaurs were created on day six. Birds came first, then then dinosaurs. So that's one of those things that does not line up with Scripture that needs to be chucked. Yeah, I like what you said, Jan. You know, Christian students need to be able to discern truth from Eric because not everything coming out of that naturalistic worldview kind of teaching is False. They need to be able to discern truth Absolutely. from error. And the problem is a lot of them are not equipped to do so. And so we sometimes go to one or two of the extremes. That's a great point that you bring up. Now, some parents who are listening, whose children are in the public school, may be saying to themselves, you know, my child gets enough evolution at school. Why do I need to talk about it more at home? What would you say to them? And they are so right. They are being bombarded and just inundated with evolution at school. But you have to remember, 
somebody has got to balance the worldview that they are getting from the public school. Now, I know there's exceptions. They're Christian teachers, but majority of our public school teachers uh, in the sciences came out of the universities, the same universities that I came out of, and they are they are approaching it with a humanistic worldview. And so we have got to balance that with a biblical worldview. On the flip side, other parents may have their children enrolled in Christian schools or are homeschooling and may be saying to themselves, you know, this is one of the reasons I have my child being educated where they are in order to avoid such topics. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to them? And that is a good point. There are kind of two postures that parents can take. And and one of the postures that we often see is the isolation. And this is where parents don't want to say anything about the E word because it may stimulate them to go get more interested in it. And so they want to completely avoid evolutionary issues. We want to quarantine them. We want to put them in a bubble. The other part to that, though, is where I think we should the pendulum should swing is insulation. So not isolation, not isolate them, but insulate them. And in insulation, we're going to talk about the issues. We're going to present both sides of the issues. We're going to do it in a safe environment. We are the safe environment while we have them in our home. We're the biblical worldview environment. And we're going to be able to arm students then with intellectual self-defense. Now, the purpose of isolating our students and keeping them in that bubble would be to keep them from being exposed to any non-biblical idea. The idea, though, of insulation is to keep them from being indoctrinated into any non-biblical ideas. And it is my take on it that it does not matter how tight of a bubble you try to put your child in it is not going to work because they turn on the tv and there's the discovery channel there's animal planet full of evolution there's our movies our media the zoos the museums you can't go anywhere educational wise and not be faced with evolutionary issues yeah the fingers of darwinian evolution stretch out into many fields i mean if they're going to major in psychology mm. you know and there's other ramifications as well even in my area of religious studies and history you know mm. you got the fingers of evolution reaching in there so mm-hmm. so you're right and you know what that's satan's the agenda though pat to uh weave evolution just into our daily lives i don't know if you've ever heard of this theory but there's a theory called mere exposure theory And that is the more exposure we have to a stimulus, the more we start to like it. Familiarity breeds liking, kind of like an acquired taste. And um, Satan's agenda is to weave evolution into their everyday lives so that, you know, they're exposed to it more and more and more till it becomes familiar to them. And they begin to to like it. One of the talks that I give in schools is to children in the elementary age. And I've done it in junior high as well. But we take the movie The Ice Age. Uh, the children's movie Ice Age. There's one and two, and, and we take Ice Age one, and I show them clips from that movie. Now, don't get me wrong. I love that movie. It's got a great positive message about friends hanging in there with each other. So, you know, I don't want any parents to get angry with me about this movie. But I'm just saying, watch the movie with your spiritual glasses on, your spiritual worldview glasses, because there's evolution all throughout it. One of the two, I'll give you two examples that I I give the in my talk. One of them is the people grunt. The animals talk throughout the movie, but the people just grunt. And we look at that and we say, does that line up with biblical 
issues. I mean, our early man, Adam, did he have language? Well, of course he did. It says he talked to God. He talked to Eve. You know, uh, Eve talked to him. Eve talked to the serpent. We know that they had language. So, you know, it makes for a nice little movie, but it's it's non-biblical. Another portion that we talk about is the migration scene. If you will remember uh, the little clip from the movie where there is two, kind of hard to tell what they were, maybe dinosaurs, but they were two women, a friend and a wife. And the friend says, where's your husband? And you see in the background this male dinosaur, whatever it is, jumping off of a cliff. And about that time, the wife says, well, he's on the verge of a new evolutionary breakthrough. Well, what parents don't grasp is what they're trying to say is that birds evolve from dinosaurs. So as he's flying off the cliff, he's trying to get his wings. So he's on the verge of an evolutionary breakthrough. So that's some of the examples that are just woven seemingly innocent into our children's media. Well, I can hear what some uh, youth pastors or parents or grandparents may be saying, Jan, and may be saying, you know, I don't have a science degree. I don't have a science background. You know, how can I teach and engage in a discussion of evolution with my kids? And, and that's a great question. And I think this does set up reluctancy with parents often to teach evolution, maybe the lack of knowledge, they're afraid and uh, fear that they may not have all the answers. And you know what? I don't have all the answers. No one has all the answers. I, I lean on Psalms 139.6. It says, your knowledge is beyond my comprehension. And so there are going to be things on this side of the, the earth. That we are working with finite minds, but we have an infinite creator. So there are going to be things that we are not going to have the answer to. But there are many things that we do have the answer to, Pat. And there are some great resources out there. And if it be okay, I'd like to go ahead and, and tell you some of those resources that I have found to be very invaluable. Fantastic, yeah. Okay. Um, Probe Ministries has one right now out called Redeeming Darwin, and it is four chapters, and it has curriculum support materials. So it can be divided into a four-week session for small groups if it was a youth pastor or uh, even a family, whatever. Illustra Media Dot com has some excellent DVDs that can be ordered. Uh, one of them is called Where Does the Evidence Lead? Another one is called The Privileged Planet. Another one is called Unlocking the Mysteries of Life. And then a fourth one, there's also a book, but the they have a DVD called Case for the Creator, and that's by Lee Strobel. And all of those are great starting points for parents to be able to engage with their children on the topic of evolution. Yeah, by the way, Jan, one of the resources that you mentioned, The Privileged Planet, we're going to have Jay Richards mm. uh, on our show following you uh, in the next couple of weeks. So we're pretty excited about That's that. That's very fantastic. Well, Jan, you know, when it comes to the sciences, really, Christians should not be afraid to engage in the world of sciences, shouldn't they? They should not. Like I said before, God created the sciences and it should point us towards the creator. So there is nothing to fear you know, even if you go to a secular university, do not fear learning about the sciences, because the more you learn about the creation, the more you are going to have a beautiful understanding and a um, just an awesome feeling towards the creator. 
you know, Jan, before I came to Christ, the sciences didn't make much sense to me. I saw a lot of contradictions there, and mm -hmm. it was kind of grim and gloomy, and I didn't enjoy the sciences. But mm -hmm. when I came to Christ at about 18 years old, suddenly the sciences made sense because of the, uh, because of the Christian theistic worldview. Mm -hmm. Is that similar experience that Absolutely. you had? Absolutely. All right, we want to thank our guest, my colleague, Dr. Jan Chatham. She's a research associate with Probe Ministries, and you can hear the entire interview at evidenceandanswers.org. Not only Jan, but a whole host of qualified Christian scientists who we've interviewed. You go to our resources page, and you can listen to interviews not only from Jan, but Dr. Ray Bolin, Dr. Jonathan Wells, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, and many others at evidenceandanswers.org. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. There's a new feature on our website called iShows, where you can download each individual show for just $2.50 on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Just like you download a song on iTunes, these are iShows that you can download each individual show you want, and we've got some of the top scholars on there. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. God bless and thanks so much for listening. Evidenceandanswers.org.